Hey there, it's Ben. I'm just wanting to give a very quick shout out to you, the listeners, and how you help grow the audience by talking about and recommending Heroes of the Hydean Way and Tales from the Hydean Way. This is a uh, road ahead where we're planning on taking things, where we've gone. Also, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our Patreon backers who help make this a lot less stressful than it could be. You can be like them at patreon.com slash the Hydean Way. Thank you, and now on to the show. Walking into the lounge of the Bogwing, I see Risa and Christine there. Go up to the auto chef and get a round of Karelian whiskey for everyone, and sitting down, flicking the hollow table on. I accept the glass of whiskey and take a sip, sighing in contentment. This is the life. This is nice. I can't remember the last time we weren't being shot at, or tossed around by an enraged herglick, or crashing a speeder into a walker's legs. We should do this more often. Welcome to a relaxing tale from the Hydean Way. We're your hosts, Christine Chester, Risa D, and Ben Yindel. This is going to be a different style of show for tales, on account of its sort of state of the pods, or state of the channel, state of, state of the Hydean Way. Let's go with that. <laughs> We've got the opportunity to have Christine here, we've got Risa here, and it's the end of the year, so... It seemed like a perfect time to do this for any of the intentions that we're wanting to do, things that are happening. There's going to be one announcement that is going to be coming out in, what, three weeks? That is going to get recorded now, then dumped into the Tales channel? I think so. I, I know we have one more skipped week where, when we're recording this now, but yeah, we only have three more episodes. Before, I guess two more episodes before you have things. For now, listeners, we're just being cryptic. Yeah. Since... Like, the housekeeping stuff is going to take all of, like, three minutes. There's also the one question that I was wanting to bring to the two of you is, what have you learned from RPGs this year? One big thing I learned that I think is, is applicable to our listeners, is, so I'd been predominantly playing the Star Wars role-playing line until 2018, and that's when I started to get back into primarily Dungeons & Dragons, but also played some Tales from the Loop and a couple of other things. Still jealous about the Tales from the Loop thing. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. I highly recommend it. But apparently playing a lot of this game improves your, your like role play, especially for combat and things like that everywhere else. I've had an impact on my D and D group where when I came in, they were like, okay, I attack for eight damage or whatever, and, you know, like, moving on quickly. And then I come in playing my fighter, and I, I can't just do that. I'm describing, you know, how I'm moving my glaive around and, you know, whether I'm stabbing or slicing or what's going on and, and getting into, you know, how my character's reacting to things around her and just overall a lot more descriptive because I'm so used to having advantages and threats and things like that to tell the story. When they're gone, I still tell a story with my dice. This year, I've, I think I've really improved, I think is what I'm going to say, on using threat and advantage a lot. Because I've basically only been playing Star Wars and Genesis this year. So that's really all I've been doing. And I think this year I've learned how to best use threat and advantage. And instead of just making it like passing the boost or taking strain and stuff, 
I think that's what I've that's what I've learned this year to make it more interesting. That's that's something that I'm always working on with this system, and it's also the reason why I like this system, the advantage threat mechanic. It's something that confuses in some GMs, but forcing you to be more descriptive, forcing you to essentially step up your game for figuring out what the effect of something is, in some ways it helps create that structure for what is the flair to come from an action. Using that is something that I'm always struggling with and always trying to improve upon. As I listen to heroes, I listen to the whole growth of how I'm using different things. Like how threats are going from being the one strain or the three strain into being something actually happening in the scene. Yeah, I can't recall the last time you spent a triumph to crit somebody. That's you... all because I feel bad about it. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, see, I, 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 love cl- I love critting players. And every time it happens, like, okay, here it comes. And then you do something else. And at the time, you know, I might be like, oh, okay, well, that's odd. But it adds so much more to the scene, like something I can't talk about that just happened recently <laughs> in an episode that just... It has affected so much of what's about to occur way more than if you had rolled a percentile and some little effect came up. And I love that you that you do that, that you you use them to change the scene. It's kind of like what you both were just talking about. That's what this system does. That's what going into any of the other situations, it in some ways it feels like going into other systems, we become ambassadors for the Star Wars system because we're forced to be this descriptive in how we do things. And it will like affect other players. Uh, like there were players at the table who have only played this system once or, you know, or twice that where, when I started to describe more, they followed suit. Like if somebody starts doing something enough, like, like it's always like everybody's afraid to get too deep into the RP or descriptions until somebody takes that plunge. And then you have others start to, okay, all right, that, that's acceptable. I'm going to try this. And then it starts to become like the group consensus. Like that was sort of our most learned things. Is there any other things that we've sort of come to, thing, like accomplishments that we've done in this last year regarding RPGs? I have two heroes things. Uh, they're, they're kind of, uh, one's kind of silly, the one's kind of serious. The silly one is I learned that I have Cav inside me. <laughs> I, I was not <laughs> expecting that character to become that, like, become who that character is today. Not at all when I uh, started to to work on my Edge character. Certainly didn't expect to to like Cav as much as I do. Then, this isn't so much on the RPG side, but the editing side. I've learned a valuable lesson in terms of editing actual plays, which is sometimes less is more. Hmm where I was a little heavy-handed on, like, effects and certain things at the end of, like, season one of Heroes, and I was trying to pull back, and I've been playing around this season some. Some episodes have had a bunch, some haven't, and I I find that, like, the, the ones I don't have as much still are, you know, work very, very well, and in fact, sometimes those sort of things detract from what's going on in the story. You don't need all the bells and whistles, and I think that can also apply to, like, people's home games. <laughs> you don't necessarily need the background music and props and whatever else you know what matters at its core is is a good story i think my biggest thing this year was getting a group of people who were like super into D 
to try out Genesis and have them super get into it. Oh, this sounds like there's a lot of stories here. No, it's my my Mars group. Okay. They do a lot of actual just D&D together. Mm-hmm. And getting them to try out Genesis and get really, really into it and get really into using advantage and using threat in a really cool way and seeing them just embrace that that system was really cool to me. I was that I think that's the biggest like highlight of my year RPG wise was just getting them into it and even if it meant that they adopted all of the monsters <laughs> I'm still really glad that they that they got into it as much as they did even if we're still on hiatus in that group but you know happens we're all adults it's just how it happens mm. but i think that's that's my my biggest thing this year was just getting them into that and just seeing them get so into it and like just the one person who's just usually so quiet just doing that amazing leadership check that he did just and me going thank you so much <laughs> that just sounds so cool for me, okay, I've got a few sort of small heroes ones that all sort of culminate into decent heroes ones and also an announcement. Hmm. Nah, not the announcement you're thinking, Christine. Okay. The first big thing for me with in relation to heroes was successfully completing a Force-style B-plot in an adventure where it was primarily a B-plot, not the main plot. And that's the first time I've ever done that. There was an episode where Risa and I were talking about it where there's force, it usually becomes the A-plot. And this was the first time I've ever had it in one of my games where it wasn't, where it was the B-plot. And that was really cool. Yeah, sure, there was some stuff that got focused in on it, but the character wasn't played differently because they had the force. It was, the character was still the character, the character still was... A crazy Mandalorian commando. <laughs> that was Matu. The other thing that I was kind of pleased with was Brent's early departure from Heroes. He had things going on and we had to like stop things at a particular time with him. And we were able to come up with a good exit point where it worked narratively for the character to disappear at that point instead of it being just a hard clump and... The character's randomly shot. It's really weird to think about that being earlier this year. You're telling me. When I was sort of looking at the calendar, it was like half this year was season one heroes, half of it was season two, and we started recording season two in July. Wow. I'm on Christmas break now. I'm really hoping to get around to actually doing some of that uh, editing because it's going to turn into Patreon backers stuff, at least initially. Might be gated for that stuff, maybe a month. But that's my intention of tossing the essentially warm-up sessions. The players getting to know each other. We played two games of Fiasco because we didn't have everyone. And they were Fiasco games. Like Fiasco just is its own genre of weird role-playing. Did we play those before episode one of Trouble Brewing or was it after our first recording? They were around. Yours was before. Leslie's was after. We had okay. recorded the first two episodes of Trouble Brewing. Or, no, not episode one. We had recorded the session zero, and that was it. We hadn't done actual episode one. Okay, so yeah, that was the first time then that David, Brandon, and I played together. Yeah. 
And then later on, you know, you had Leslie instead of me for the second one. Those ones, I just got to get around to actually editing. And I'm not wanting them to be this like two, two and a half hour clump because that's no one needs to hear that. (laughs) And that's after editing, which I would just start despairing at. Yeah. (laughs) Three hours of edited stuff. Like, in all seriousness, it's going to be about two hours of edited stuff. Like, if you break it up into, like, three chunks, it isn't as daunting. It's a whole mountain thing breaking down into small, doable things. See? That organization planning stuff actually does eventually come into being useful. (laughs) My most recent accomplishment, which... What is it? Four weeks? Yeah. It's going to be at, like, the end of January that you actually get to start hearing this. But four reasons, which we'll get to in the teased about thing, we are adding a, another player onto Heroes. And adding, this is Britt Knowles, who you've probably seen interacting with the actual official, the Hydean Way account, and also all the Heroes. They're a great one for being around. Just, they've got just great energy anyway. But they're coming in and playing another character on Heroes. Yeah, and Britt's first episode should be available on January 24th. And, Risa, hearing you talk about bringing in D&D players, players that haven't played this style of game before, everything that you're saying just sort of reminds me of Britt's first couple sessions. (laughs) Instead of a pass-fail, it's this weird extra axis that once you've got something on it, it's great, but... Those first little whiles is just uh, yeah scary. I have to give like Brit so much credit because they were like tossed into the deep end here. Not only was it a brand new system for them, they came in to you know a, a chat room full of uber Star Wars nerds, and they were adapting to how we were doing things. Because at that point, the the heroes were so used to one another. Uh, and I know it's still been something we're we're working on in terms of kind of incorporating them in, in changing the dynamic of it now that we have uh, have Brit's character. And if you go back through the episodes of Tales, you can start figuring out when things have been happening. Yeah. <laughs> because I'll bring this to Risa and we'll start talking and it's like, yeah, this sounds like an episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sometimes on both of our sides, it just sort of turns into GM therapy. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I've got this new player. I've got no idea how to deal with it. <laughs> Risa, what do you think? <laughs> In all seriousness, that's where about two-thirds of the episodes for Tales comes from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think most of the ones I was on was GM therapy for me for the group I was running at the time. <laughs> now you've inherited two of my players. <laughs> Those are good players. I really like they, them. They really are. I actually got to play with both of them over Christmas. Nice. <laughs> and... They now have to deal with Chunga the Hut. <laughs> <laughs> the Hut who was able to... I was using the step block of Wampa at the time. He was able to charm a Wampa. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Not just a Wampa. An enraged Wampa. Every time I hear stories about your uh, your Thursday night group, it just gets progressively more outlandish. <laughs> And you wonder why I can deal with heroes so easily. Yeah, we are we're tame by comparison. Although I still want to crash the uh, the Thursday night group one of these days as Cav. Well, we'll see. Um. <laughs> Seriously considered for a second. 
Well, no, it's just more discussions not in a podcast thing that I don't have to cut. <laughs> My next question for the two of you is looking forward into this next year. Like one of the things I've gotten thinking about is Tails turns five, which is mildly <laughs> astounding to me. Yeah, at the tail end of August, it'll be episode 260 for <laughs> Tails. Whew. <laughs> Like, this episode here is 226, and yeah, coming up on this August, it will be episode 260, which is when I'm going to celebrate, not 250. It's kind of got me thinking. The question I've got for you, Risa and Christine, is looking up for this next year, what are some things that you're wanting to do? In general, RPGs? Yeah, in general, and also, if anything's related to Tales, that also works. Well, in general, first... Yeah. I am planning, as you all know, listeners, I've talked about this before. I am a huge Nancy Drew nerd. I have a group of other Nancy Drew nerds who I have wrangled, and I am going to, for them, so this is going to be hard, GM a murder mystery for a group of Nancy Drew super fans. Oh my word, that sounds like yes. it's going to be amazing. I know, doesn't it? This is going to be sometime in January or February. So I have to put on my A game. Yeah. Because they have all read most of the books. And a lot of them are also Agatha Christie fans. So this has to be my absolute tip-top A game. I can't, can't fool them by stealing things from Agatha Christie like I have in the past. <laughs> or from Nancy Drew like I have in the past. I have to come up with something completely original and ingenious to fool them. And I'm very excited for it. I'm just, I'm also just a little bit like nervous because what if they figure it out in the first five minutes? <sighs> but I'm very excited for it. And I will, I will update tales on how that goes. It's going to be like six or seven players, which is oh my. a lot. Yeah. But they all want to do it, and it's like a it's a Discord group of like 150 people. I might end up running it several times for different groups. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, everyone is super interested in it, so I'm like, okay, this will be fun. So yeah, that's what I'm really excited about for 2019, and I'll hopefully have after the first time I run it, I'll update tales on how it goes, and I might have questions. <laughs> <laughs> If you're running it more than once, that's a beautiful thing. You can then start refining. Exactly. And then I might end up being able to refine it to a point where I can write it out and provide uh, it for other people. That would be amazing. And then other people can run it as well. Uh, especially since, like, beta testing with Nancy Drew fans <laughs> is sure to figure out the best mystery possible. Yeah. And then <laughs> for, like, tales-wise, I'd love to get some people on to interview. Ooh. Okay. That would be like what I would like to see from Tales, get more people on to interview. But mm. that is some legwork that I will be looking into for us. <laughs> Indeed. Helping out with. So that's my one on general RPGs and one on my, my Tales side. What about you guys? What I would love to say is that 2019 is the year I'm going to get back into GMing after my, <laughs> I've had almost a year hiatus. However, because of my work schedule and just the number of uh, sort of games and projects that have already claimed my attention, I 
no, I can't do a campaign. Mm. So I think I'm going to set my GMing goal as to GM something in 2019, even if it's just a one shot or a mini campaign somewhere along the way. I have a suggestion. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I guess actually I, I have done GMing recently, kind of, sort of. <laughs> okay. And I, I did do the IPM things too, but yeah, that's going to be amazing. Uh, otherwise, what I, what I have going on right uh, now, uh, I have, I'm already uh, completing a goal of mine, which was to, I wanted to be a part of a like second show outside of Heroes, one that mm. I didn't have to edit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on track with that with a gentleman by the name of uh, Jeff Romo, who does some pretty amazing, like mostly D&D related okay. actual plays and stuff. He's running uh, what he calls the Glass Dagger. It's a like prologue to Waterdeep Dragon Heist for nice. fifth edition. And we are part of this experiment where he ran two parties of three characters each. None of the players knew what anybody else was playing. Ooh. Huh. We were sent in blind. Our characters are, are perfect strangers. And we pick up from there. And it's a matter of like, he just lets details like class or background or whatever just come up as they come up and we have recorded already like eight episodes i think we just got to the point where we know i think everything about the characters in terms of the <laughs> mechanical things uh, and only more mysteries have been raised wow we'll be finishing up glass dagger soon and then we are going to be playing the Waterdeep dragon heist okay and so both groups will be uh will be producing and like p- putting those episodes out the other group is a little bit ahead of us they just had their episode one drop so that's something I'm very excited about. It won't, you know, take a year to to run that. Uh, Dragon Heist is a relatively short campaign, but uh, I'm excited to do a second show and play a different character. Otherwise, my like big RPG thing is I'm going to be playing on my first Genesis campaign. Okay. Starting on the first of the the year, on like a biweekly basis in a friend's like unique fantasy world. And I've played so much Star Wars, I've only done Genesis one shot. So that'll be uh, that'll be a big thing. And I guess my last little goal for myself is I just want to learn one new game this year. I, I love learning new games. And I've got a few I've picked up from PAX Unplugged. And I know a few people who are looking to run different things like L5R or Tales from mm-hmm. the Flood or what have you. And I'm hoping I can at least oh, jump yeah. in. For, I know, yeah, yeah. I'm liking Flood because it was actually when I was a teen as opposed to the loop because mm-hmm. yeah, it was when I was a wee one. <laughs> so I've just got a little bit more of a connection to Tales from the Flood. It looks like Tales from the Loop. It's just the lore has moved on a bit and that's kind of cool to me. Yeah. So those are uh, those are all my goals. And I think I've talked way too long. Ben? <laughs> oh, yeah. So then we give it over to the Rambler. <laughs> uh, my goals for this year to maybe start Chronicles of the Gatekeeper. Start reading or start running? Yes. My goal is <laughs> by the end of the year, hopefully, to actually be running Chronicles of the Gatekeeper. Going into a hero season, I've got no idea how long things are. And knowing the structure and how wibbly-wobbly time can get in a actual play's adventure, especially using published stuff and going by my GM style. I mean, Trouble Brewing can be run as a four-hour convention module. Christine just put out hour 10 of our run through. <laughs> I'm counting it as 12, but Christine's writing that there are 13 episodes of Trouble Brewing. Hey, it is still shorter than our Dead in the Water by five episodes. 
oh, I'm getting better. Except this actually had less stuff to it. Okay. <laughs> okay, taking that into account, yeah, there's no way I'm running Chronicles of the Gatekeeper in 2019. <laughs> the reason I say that is if I hold to form with the way the Force adventure works, if I'm running a prologue to that, where everyone gets to know their characters and we get to know their characters and all that sort of fun stuff, there's just no time. Th there's not. We're just starting to record Act 1 of Mask of the Pirate Queen, which you'll hear Marchish, March. <laughs> yeah, like I'm hearing about that eight episode lead time. I'm like, that's cute. When taking a look at how much we accidentally have for heroes. I have no idea how we got that far ahead. I really I, don't. I don't either. I, I know I missed a week or two that contributed, but it wasn't just that. There's a discussion for off air, but oh, jeez, <laughs> we are so far ahead. I don't know how. Yeah. So, uh, so even if we did get to Chronicles this year, uh, listeners would not hear it. <laughs> On the other hand, you're going to be getting an amazing amount of Mask of the Pirate Queen, and it's starting small, and it's going to get amazingly epic. Yeah. Like Mask of the Pirate Queen, I'm wanting to get to be very big, very epic for an edge campaign. It's going to be very edgy, very the heroes down on their luck. It, that's already started. <laughs> We're two episodes <laughs> in. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you got into an actual fight. Hey, that was a big deal to some of us who may have been avoiding injury. My two goals are start the prep on Chronicles of the Gatekeeper and finish Mask of the Pirate Queen, at least in regards to heroes. And Mask of the Pirate Queen, I'm, I've got four players that I can trust, an editor who does a superb job. Christine, honestly, you have not released a bad episode yet. That might be because uh, with, with my standards for myself, I think I've released at least three terrible episodes, but nobody has seemed to complain, so... That's kind of my point. <laughs> You've done an amazing job with Heroes. Having you editing it means that I don't have to worry at all as a GM, and I can focus entirely on GMing. So my goal for Heroes is trying to make it as epic as possible, and trying to make it as broad of a galaxy as possible. Yes. For my Thursday night game, drawing that to a close, because apparently it's been going on for over a year. The current campaign, I like changing them out like every year and a half. And they're getting to the point where even for Edge characters, they're scary. Like, <laughs> I keep bringing up Changa, the amazingly presenceful hut, and Kilu, the heavy who has last minute standing. Pretty upgraded. And now they're both just sort of groping around for, hey, I've got 50 experience. What should I do now? <laughs> That is terrifying. I, and this is after uh, Jeff was talking to me about his Salonian with his insane amounts of soak and range defense. <laughs> he plays a gadgeteer. A Salonian yes. gadgeteer that I do actually sort of mentally connect to Barrowin too. But recently was able to get like in the crafting rules, there's laminate and then there's a step up from laminate. He did that version. What? I, I I forget what that's called by... You're talking about, like, the daunting roll armor? Yeah, the daunting... The very Holy. first thing he did was... It was a failed daunting roll with three advantage and a triumph. So schematic. Oh, yeah. So now it's a hard roll. 
And he was, the three advantage went into half the materials came back. Okay. And then another failed roll with three advantage. So half the materials came back. And then finally a success. It was hilarious. Yeah, I my like force and destiny armor, I wanted to build that kind of armor, never succeeded at it. It's it's tough and it's expensive too to even try. And he had exactly enough to like just buy it outright, but then going through all the other things and then getting enough advantage on the roll twice. Do it. Okay, we've got one last try. Let's roll that and see if we can do it. So now he's offering that around to like, oh, I can make it for you as long as you cover the cost. Well, I've got Changa who they're a hut. It's not like a huts wear clothes and it's a presence-based character. What does a presence-based character spend money on? Nothing. Exactly. Like, like seriously, like, like they, they need nothing. They're the ones who pick up the tabs because they don't really get anything else. Carousing. They just got to carousing a bit more. Well, like, all right, yeah, make me a suit of hut armor like that. To which we're all just, oh, my word. Oh, yeah, and Changa got a Vibroax. Because, of course, he did. <sighs> Yeah, I need to bring that one to a close. I'm going to bring it to a satisfying close, and I've got an idea on how to actually do it now. I've finally got enough pieces in play, and it's always been with this group, the idea of get enough pieces in play and then be able to pick enough threads to create a final sort of act three to it, which is where we're kind of at. One of the things that I'm kind of wanting to do is with like the backer games for our $5 Patreon backers is switch from using this FFG narrative system to other systems and like running one shots in those. Oh, like uh, do you have any candidates you're, you're itching to run? Legend of the Five Rings because the system is related, but I'm just wanting to try something in it. Mm-hmm. Probably like back of the book adventure or I don't know, maybe the beginner game because the beginner game seemed rather robust. I do kind of want to run a Star Trek adventure Yes. It's a lot of fun. I got to play in a STA game this this year, or 2018, and we brought our first season on that to a close and sadly had to go on hiatus, but just due to schedules, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's that. There's what else? I do want to do Tales from the Flood because mm-hmm. I'm liking that system, and I'm not quite sure what else. Plus, also, if I'm just going by that, that's... The backer games are quarterly. I've got three down. So I'm good till like September. (laughs) (laughs) Then more games can come out. Yay! (laughs) Or we could do a Clone Troopers one when, because Rise of the Separatists is due out in a month or two. Yes, please. I need to somehow find the time to play in all these backer games. It won't happen, but I wish it would. Well, I mean, the other thing is, is that we could just arrange it so that you run the Star Trek one. That is also a possibility. Synergizing. <laughs> so, uh, I know we have one other little bit of Heroes news before we get to, I think, what you're thinking of. What I'm thinking of doing is we do the... What about the crossover? All right, I forgot about the crossover. <sighs> <laughs> okay, so, so real quick... One other thing we've got going on for Heroes that you'll be able to listen to at the end of January slash early February is we recently recorded a crossover episode with Force Majeure crew. They're another uh, Star Wars actual play podcast using Force and Destiny. Mm-hmm. And Leslie and I cross over and get to hang around with a couple of their characters, namely uh, Tychus and Roy. 
and uh, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's an absurd amount of silliness that, <laughs> if it wasn't for the things that we had done earlier that week, would be like the most amount of absurd silliness that Heroes has ever put out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> End of February is just going to blow people's minds. Yeah, because they're going to come out around the same time, and people are going to be like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Force Majeure will be releasing that actually in the next couple weeks, if Adam is accurate. It's going to release first on the Force Majeure, and then it'll release in ours when it should be in chronological order. We have an extra queue. What can I say? We, we like My sort of final thing that I'm willing to say for this episode, especially it being the weirder style of episode, curse you for not having a Star Wars movie out this year for us to dissect. I know, right? Well, we did, but it was like in May, and no one remembers that. <laughs> I just rewatched Solo the other night. Comes out on Netflix next month, like mid next month. Oh, right around the time Rogue One leaves. Yeah, I am. I got it for for Christmas, and I'm so delighted. It has an audio descriptive option on it, so I'm going to rewatch the movie again with that on to help mine up for actual play purposes. It's one of those things. Of I still like the movie, so. My own final thing for this episode for the state of the Hydean Way. First off, I'm like to thank you two. Like Risa, you've been you've been a really good breath of fresh air to Tales, and I really appreciate your perspective on everything that we talk about. I really value your opinion on everything that we've been talking about. The amount of times that in an episode and then also in editing, you've set me on a new way of thinking has been it has been a lot, and I, I I appreciate it. I thank you. And Christine, you've done such a good job with Heroes, and thank you for sticking with Heroes, and thank you for helping out with Tales when you can. Well, in turn, Ben, thank you for for uh, for GMing Heroes and handling like our marketing and a lot of the back end stuff, and thank you for also being patient with me while uh we've had a lot of a lot of changes on the heroes front because i've had a lot of changes in uh in my real life that kind of had that ripple effect and things are finally calming down now which has been been wonderful but i'm i'm really glad i was able to have the time i needed and um that you were like on board with going bi-weekly when i needed to and uh you know get me where i got my feet back under me and thank you guys for just having me on the show. And I felt so welcomed. And and thank you for all the advice I've gotten. I've just thank you guys so much. I just want to just take a moment and thank everybody who interacts with us on Discord and Twitter and Facebook. Everybody who's been a fan of the shows and offering up like suggestions for like show topics for tales. Or, you know, interacting with heroes and, and getting excited and, and like that sort of discussion does help encourage us to to keep doing what we're doing. You know, it helps to know that we're not just uh, speaking into uh, into the void of the Internet. <laughs> and it uh, does. Uh, it does. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for all of the like amazing friends I've made just from like fans of the show. Yeah. Uh, thank you, guys. It's it, you guys have really made. Like, the fans have made me feel really welcome, and I really appreciate that. Everyone's been super nice. So thank you. Appreciate it. 
we relax in the lounge, an explosion crashes outside. <sighs> I get up and grab my holster from the table and fasten the buckle. Well, you can't appreciate the calm without a little chaos the rest of the time. I'm all for a little chaos, but it couldn't wait for me to finish my drink first. <sighs> I'll take the ventral turret. Hitting the emergency button for the new weaponry, I slide into the cockpit. Oh, oh my. A Star Destroyer in this part of the galaxy? That's out of place. Join us next time on an incredible Tales from the Hydean Way. We can be found on Twitter at The Hydean Way, and I'm at Deuterium Ice. I can be found on Twitter at Twelfth Night. That's one, two, teach, and night with a K. And I'm at Cookie Kit. We're all at TheHydeanWay.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about in the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us out by rating and reviewing the show. You can drop us a holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and you want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can give us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash thehydeanway.